I can't believe how bad the sound in most public spaces are. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, most architects should hang their heads in shame because our oral uh, acoustic architecture is absolutely dreadful. We seem to have forgotten everything that, that um, uh, architects in the past seem to know about acoustics and building design. Um, you know, I rarely come into a building where I can even understand a distant conversation or communicate with people. You know, it's as bad as that. I mean, I came here this morning, I left Newcastle Railway Station, uh, you know, which is notoriously, I mean, beautiful architecture with interesting acoustics, but yet, you know, in the position we're in, in this century, we still can't, you know, make an understandable public communication system. It's astonishing. So I think we're really bad at it, and I think we suffer from the results. We waste a lot of negative energy communicating in spaces like that. You know, I don't think we're... I think it's weird, because I'm sure we knew about this, and I, I think, you know, it's just been forgotten how important communicate that sense of acoustic communication and engagement is, um, uh, particularly in public spaces, and the bad effects it can have. You know, on your psychology, it winds people up. They get short-tempered, you know, they go home at night because they can't communicate with people just a few metres away from them. They're bombarded by all sorts of strange sounds in buildings caused by poor engineering, so air conditioning noise, um, you know, infrasonic noises from fans and ventilation systems that we may not hear but we can feel, ultrasonic sounds from lighting systems and electrical systems, which again we can't hear but we feel. I'm convinced that a lot of people who go home from offices, I'm very glad I don't work in an office for this reason, uh, go at home at the end of the day irritable with headaches, feeling nauseous. This idea of sick building syndrome. I believe that poor acoustics and poor acoustic design is part of that problem, that we're bombarded by all these sounds which we seem to be ignorant of, or whether it's simply uh, the use of cheap building materials and, and cheap designs that have caused this. It really is a significant problem. So where do you think the solution lies at combating this sort of unwanted noise and this increasing noisy urban sprawl that's spilling out as our cities grow and, and do you think the solutions lie in sort of social interventions or through technological modifications? I think on a very basic level architects need to be trained to deal with acoustics as part of their education in designing and creating buildings because it, it's fundamentally really really bad um, and rarely is it addressed in, in my in my experience. So our buildings, you know, in that sense, they need to needed to be flattened and rebuilt with regards to the acoustic design. Um, there's also an interesting, as you say, the sort of idea of social intervention with noise because we put up with so much, you know, so much so that we spend much of our day wasting and using negative energy in simply communicating and blocking out sounds. You know, we're having this interview now, but I can hear people the other side of the door having the conversations and lunch. Now, we can choose to filter and edit that out and have a conversation. This microphone can't do that. You know, so you'll hear on this interview these background sounds. We need to, you know, we need to take account for the acoustics of our environment. And we also need to re-educate ourselves in how we listen we hear everything when we go out on the street um, or when we're at home, whatever we're doing, but we rarely listen 
because we're so was bombarded by so much sound and noise in our everyday lives, we spend most of our time blocking that out, which, as I said, is a very negative way of reacting to it. We need to take account of noise pollution, um, and we need to simply be aware of it. You know, we tend to isolate ourselves by wearing headphones and you know iPod sort of ear earplugs and things like that you know some of the time for listening to music but most of the time just simply to isolate ourselves I'm convinced you know in this desperately noisy environment whether it's internal or external so I think we need to educate ourselves you know we need to educate our children through the process in learning to listen you know this is a skill which which is learned it's not a it's not innate as, um, as I understand it you know young children very young children, even at home, if they're exposed to the radio and television all day, they're in a noisy household. Listening to the mother, listening to the father, or listening to relatives, uh, in order for language development to um, progress, it is learnt, it's not innate. So children who are bombarded by um, noise pollution at an early age, you know, literally don't know what to listen to. So if the radio's on in the kitchen at breakfast time, and the mother or father speaking to them, they, they literally don't know which source to listen to. So, as I understand it, language development can be restricted and retarded under those circumstances. So it's a, a huge process of communication, which I think, you know, for, certainly for the last 20 years, we've been slowly isolating ourselves from as our world's got noisier. You mentioned noise pollution. Do you see this as, as a threat? to the natural soundscape. I mean, we have significant light pollution now at night. It makes it almost impossible to go somewhere where it's completely dark. Do you see, in, in the same way, that sound also has this impact on the natural soundscape, that these noises and this increasingly noisy lifestyle that we engage in is now going to sort of penetrate and threaten the natural soundscape? I think that's a very good point. Noise pollution is invasive and, and insidious and it invades our cells and our homes and it also affects the natural world as well. There was a WHO report last year, I believe, which investigated um, the health of people, specifically around six European airports, and they discovered that um, there are serious long-term health problems um, accruing with people who simply live around airports, in that if you're asleep at night, lying in bed, and an aircraft takes off you know, in some proximity to your house, even though you're asleep, it raises, and you're aware of this sound, because we don't have earlids as we have eyelids, um, we react to these sounds even when we're asleep. So your blood pressure goes up. The long-term effects of having um, elevated bl blood pressure, even when you're lying in bed asleep, uh, is storing up problems for the future. And the World Health Authority have now recognised this. Uh, and so they're trying to at least set levels uh, in people's um, workplace uh, and, and where they live in terms of you know what they regard as satisfactory or safe um, levels in which to, to live and work. I think this all goes back to the sort of fight or flight syndrome. You know, we're we're very tuned to listening, even though you know in, in recent decades we've we've tried to bypass it. You know, it still affects us. It's like the old you know idea of if we were all asleep in a cave, um, Stone Age people 
and a saber-toothed tiger wanders into the cave. It's the people that heard it and woke up and escaped that survived. The people who didn't hear it and remained asleep aren't here to tell the story. So, you know, it's, it goes back. It's a very important part of our psychological makeup. It, you know, it creates these sort of warning symbols. In the natural world, it's interesting. Um, there's been some work done in Amsterdam um, into urban bird song. Um, and it's been found that some urban birds, great tits in particular, in order to make themselves heard above um, urban background noise, have started to raise the pitch of their songs. So they're singing higher notes in order to cut through the din of, of say, traffic noise. Um, so this is only true of certain species. So, you know, in other words, if you can't sing uh, and make yourself heard and attract a mate, you know, your line isn't going to survive. Uh, so what will happen, those birds who can raise, and you know, this is simply birds, those who can raise the fundamental pitch of the song can do so to a certain extent. That What that will do is homogenise um, the sounds of our, of our cities to those birds that can raise the pitch. More insidiously, uh, we're putting so much noise pollution into the seas uh, Chris Clark at Cornell University has discovered that some whales, um, right whales in particular, are also raising the pitch of the songs to be heard over the increasingly bad shipping noise that we're putting into our oceans.